0: Because a commission is a certain power or authority to carry out a particular task or duty. So commission, it's like, you know, I've commissioned you, you know, to pick up chairs after the service today. I've commissioned you, you know, to preach a sermon today. I've commissioned you to lead us in worship today. That's your job. That's your task, right? So this is what the Great Commission says. It says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, have you ever heard that verse before? The Great Commission? All right. That is it. That's the Great Commission. That is the final instruction, the really important thing the Lord wanted to say to his followers before he left earth. Matter of fact, it's so important that he basically repeated it and what we do know is his last words on earth in Acts 1.8. In Acts 1.8, he's standing with his, his followers, and there he's speaking to them, and he says, you will be my witnesses. He says, this is my task to you. These are my last words to you. And it's literally his words right before he ascends up into heaven. And he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So basically in that passage, what he's saying is that, is that you're going to be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem, and throughout this greater region, and to all, all parts of the earth. You're going to take, and what does a witness do? A witness takes what they've seen and experienced, and they tell others about that. So you see, Matthew 28, Acts one eight. both of those verses are saying this. Don't keep this here, take it and share it. That's the Great Commission. His final instructions are this that his followers should take his teachings and all that they have learned and seen and tell others about him. And you know what? We are those followers. That instruction was to us. So the great so the Lord's last words to you and I are that all of us should be about making disciples, teaching others to obey his commandments, telling others where telling others no matter where we are all that jesus has done for us that's the great commission but that's a lot of words so let me boil it down from anybody who got their education in west texas like me okay let's put it like this the great commission is take the gospel into all the world that's the short version those are the cliff notes take the gospel into all of the world now then Let's review our material, okay? Because we are being tested, all right? So, first, the first question is this. The Great Commission is? You're going to answer this part, right? This is where you talk to me. The Great Commission is? Thank you very much. That was great. Wonderful. You did wonderful. The Great Commission is found? Great, because I put Matthew 18 up there last night when I put that together. <laughs> no, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's exactly right. Who gave the Great Commission? That's right. And who did he give it to? Me. Me. Everybody. Very good. Okay, that's great. Now then, you all get an A today. That's great. You should be proud of yourself. Because you can all say, I know what the Great Commission is, and you can tell somebody else where it's at in the Bible. You all get an A. Congratulations. You can feel good about yourself. Everyone gets a star. That's the way we do it in the States anymore, all right? All right. So right now, you're saying to yourself, you're saying self? I thought we were in Genesis still. How do we, why are we in Matthew? That's what you're saying to yourself. And I'm telling you this. The reason why we are connecting Matthew to Genesis is because Matthew 28 is the New Testament fulfillment of Genesis 12. Matthew 28 is the New Testament fulfillment to Genesis 12. <clears throat> and you, and in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. Blessed. In you, all families of the earth will be blessed. That's kind of the passage we're going to look at. All right, now then, you're in Matthew 28, so flip back over to Genesis 12 now, please. First book of the Bible, 12th chapter. We're going to start in verse 1. We're only reading three verses, all right? In my Bible, it's on page 22. (laughs) I hope you can find it. I hope that helps you, all right? Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And so you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all families of the earth. Shall be blessed. You know, people, in general, um, people like me and you, just regular people, we tend to see the world in a very limited fashion. Now, some of us might be more global than others, but I mean, we still kind of that. The most of us, on average, we're very kind of like this. You know, we see the world as it affects us. We think of how everything's going to affect my family. We think how everything is going to affect my block. So for instance, when someone says, hey, we'd love to put a new little league baseball park in our neighborhood, we go, not in my neighborhood, you're not, Uh uh-uh. No, there's going to be traffic, and there's going to be a lot of people, and there's going to be a lot of noise, and all those bright lights tonight, I won't be able to go to bed. You know, people say that all the time, I'm going, what time do you go to bed? Because they don't play a game at midnight, you know what I mean? You're up watching Games of Thrones or something like that while they're doing this at night, you know? Stop complaining, you know? But that's the way people are. So when you talk about putting a business in town and people go, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want that here, you would think when they wanted to put a McDonald's here in Newtown, they were talking about putting a strip club on State Street, you know? No. And people were like all up in arms. You can't put a McDonald's in my town. What? It's a McDonald's. You go to the other town to buy there, what's wrong with having it in your town, right? People talk about, you know, we want to expand the flight routes to the local airport. Uh Uh-uh, that's way too much noise. I can't stand that. And don't tell me I have never lived it. I lived underneath the flat route for 12 years of my life in my former town. So I've been there. I've done that. But you don't want that in your town, right? People say, um, you know what, we're going to change all the school districting and we're going to move your, oh, no, you can't do that. That's going to affect my family. It's all about us all the time, isn't it? All the time. And so, we even send, and what do we do with our representatives? And this, I really, I'm going to say this, but I kind of mean two different things about it. We send representatives to D.C. or Harrisburg or to Trenton, and we say, please go and represent our needs and our wants, you know, and try and get our needs met. I don't know what they're doing when they get there, but anyway, that's one case where this really doesn't work, doesn't it, right? You know what I mean? So... um, Quite honestly, it's exceptional when people are willing to set aside their own interests in order to benefit the greater good of everybody involved. And isn't that at the very heart of what Philippians 2 is, that says that lay aside your own interests and take the interests of others as being more important? As a matter of fact, isn't that actually the very heart of God, that we set aside the interests of others so that the needs and interests of others are more important. Isn't that exactly what happened when God sent his own son to die for others? God didn't have a need to sacrifice his son for your sin. That, he didn't need to do that. He set aside that to benefit you and I. And that's always been the heart of God. And that was the heart of God in Genesis twelve three, where he says that you will be a blessing to all nations. Don Richardson, a missionary writer, has said that when we read Genesis twelve three, we sense immediately that the God who would speak such words as to bless all nations, when we, when we read those words, he is not a petty tribal God. He is a God whose plans... Are both benign and universal, spanning all ages and cultures. And he says this if he retaliates against the enemies of Abraham, it's not just to protect Abraham, but be, to keep the enemies from extinguishing the fire kindled to warm the entire world. In other words, what he's saying with that statement, he goes, you know, he talks about blessing those who bless Israel and cursing those who curse Israel. It's not because he's out to protect Abraham. It's because Abraham is the vehicle that is going to bless all the world. So when he protects Abraham, he's protecting the vehicle that's going to bless all the world. So let's put it like this. You know what? Um, The bread truck is coming into town, and that bread truck is the only truck that's going to deliver bread to our town. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to protect that bread truck so it never has a flat tire, so it never gets hijacked, so the bread thieves don't get into it. I'm going to protect that bread truck so that you always have bread. That's in essence what he's saying about Abraham and blessings and curses. He goes, I'm going to protect Abraham because through Abraham, all the world is going to be blessed one day. And so that's what the blessing and cursing thing is about. That's what it is. He's, he's not making a big deal. He's not trying to make Abraham into world famous for Abraham's sake. He's doing it for your sake and mine. Walt Kaiser, um, a seminary missiological guy, says that even, he points out even further, when he says that when we read Genesis 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation, he says. When we read that, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, He says, all that happens so that you may be a blessing to other nations. When he talks to Abraham, he goes, when I tell you these things, I'm telling you that so that you can bless the other nations. None of these promises are made for Abraham's self-glorification. Instead, they're made to benefit the, the many, the entire world. So here's a principle that you can take with you today. Regardless of anything else you hear today, This is a great, great principle, and it's not really even on task, but it's it's, it's an extra. It's free, all right? Here it is. When God gives you success, he does it so that you can bless someone else. When God gives you money, he gives it to you so that you can bless someone else with it. When he gives you anything at all, whatever it may be, any kind of resource he's given to you, he's giving you that resource because he intends for you to take it and bless someone else with it. That's the intent of success. That is the intent of blessings. One scholar has said, at first glance it appears that God has narrowed his interests to this private history of one family and tribe only, Abraham and Israel. But in actuality, nothing can be further from the truth. He says, In choosing Israel as a segment of all humanity, God never took his eye off the other nations. Israel was a minority called to serve the majority. Israel's purpose was so that he blessed them so they could bless all others. God chose one man, and his family in order that through them he could bless all the earth. God's concern has never been limited to one nation. Never, ever, ever. The Pharisees thought it was. Israel in its day and time, in Christ's day and time, they thought that God was only concerned with them. When you read the Gospels, you see it in there all the time. You even see it in how Jesus gives instructions and he interacts with those he he comes across. But it's always been for the whole world. Israel was to live and exemplify the living God in such a way that when, when, that, when the world, and the Gentiles, came to Israel, came to Jerusalem, they would come in and, and see God's glory and, be man, and go, he's pretty crazy, this God's pretty cool. That his glory be manifested through his chosen people. But in Matthew in the New Testament with the, the coming of Christ, that strategy clearly changed. It changed from a come and see it changed from this strategy of come into Jerusalem, see the temple, see God's glory, people from all the world coming into Jerusalem and Israel and saying, this God's pretty radical, I mean, he's pretty cool, I think I want to be a part of this God here. It changed from that when Jesus came into the picture. And now when we get to Matthew 28 and Acts one 8, all of a sudden it changed from a, a come and see to a go and tell. All of a sudden it went, don't stay here. What did he say in Acts 1-8? He says, you need to go and tell witnesses here in Jerusalem, but then in all Samaria and Judea and to all the ends of the earth. So the strategy changed with Jesus, with Acts 1-8, Matthew 28. The strategy changed from coming into Israel and Jerusalem and seeing God's glory to now you take that glory and you go out and tell others about it. Paul writes that we, we serve as humble jars of clay, As the bearers of God's glory. And as we go about our world, we live our lives and we demonstrate the truth and the glory of the living God. We are now those vessels of go and tell. And the way that we live our lives, and the words that we use, and the attitudes we have, and the ways that we interact with our circumstances, all of those things are a part of going and telling. All of those things are part of us taking God's glory and taking it out to the community around us. And and if our world is limited to Newtown, then that's our world. But wherever we are, our purpose should be to magnify God's glory through the way that we live our lives. And so what we have here Is that the blessing of Abraham is now the blessing of the world. And that ancient blessing in Genesis 12 has now been given hands and feet. And when Christ commissioned you and I to take the gospel to the world, this ancient promise that one day I will bless all the world through you, all of a sudden in in Matthew 28 and Acts 1, it was given hands and feet. And he says, and I will do that through you. This is how I bless the world. I'm sure that, uh, that Jews for centuries looked at this verse and went, huh, I wonder what he means by that. I wonder if that means this. I wonder if that means that. And then I looked at Isaiah, and I see he's talking about a suffering servant. How is this all going to work out? I don't know how that's going to happen exactly. It's a mystery, isn't it? And then Jesus comes and goes, nah. It's not a mystery. It's Jesus inside of you and you going out to the world and telling the world about what I've done for you. That's how you're going to bless the world. That's how you're going to bless the world. And that is the blessing to all families of the earth, that Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. And you and I are the messengers of that good news. John Stott, who has since passed away many years ago now, In addressing, talking about this particular phrase, all the families of the earth, he says, it is this expression more than any other that reveals the living God of the Bible to be a missionary God. It is this expression too which condemns all our petty parochialisms, all our narrow nationalisms, our racial pride, our condescending paternalism, and arrogant imperialism. Do you see what he says right there? He goes, when God talks about being a God of all nations, He goes, all of a sudden, it doesn't matter where you're from. And it doesn't matter what language you spoke. And it doesn't matter what color you are. And it doesn't matter what your ethnic background is or your religious background is or any of that other stuff. Because he's after every tongue, tribe, and nation and people group. And then John goes on further to says, This line, which needs to be said in the United States and in our church and in our community, over and over and over again. How dare... We adopt a hostile or scornful or even indifferent attitude to any person of any color or any culture if our God is the God of all the families of the earth. That's why when you hear people talk about others coming from places using derogatory and demeaning terms to describe where they come from. That's why you should be offended. And then, this is the problem. This is really a problem. So when you hear a government leader talk the way that some have in our government recently, and talk about people coming from Haiti and other places, and demeaning all that, and if your heart's not offended, and you agree with him, then you have a heart problem yourself. Because that's not the way the Lord feels about those places. That's not the way the Lord feels about those people. At all. Stott says, we need to become global Christians with a global vision for we have a global God. So this week when the news broke that the Chinese government has prohibited all sales of Bibles over the internet, they had already done that in local stores. You already could not buy a Bible in brick and mortar anywhere in China. But this week, they, they managed to curtail all sales of Bibles through all the internet. So now, their, their goal, and they believe they've done this, this week, they believe that they've been able to make it impossible to buy a Bible at all in China. When we hear that, it should concern us. When we learn that there are 110 languages that still have no Bible among them, and, that, and those languages, they're, they're spread out over 18 different nations. 26 of those languages are in China, 16 are in Nepal, 14 are in Iran. In Iran, there are 1.4 million people who do not have a Bible in their native tongue. Now, let me, do you want to know why that's important? So let's just imagine that this Bible here is in Chinese. And I'm looking and I'm going, wow, this is pretty exciting news. Too bad I can't read Chinese. It's, it, there's no good news in a printed page that you don't know how to read. There's no good news in that. That's why having the Bible in your mother tongue is critical to people believing that it was intended for them. Matter of fact, and so when we hear that kind of stuff, that should concern us. When we learn that there are approximately 7,000 tribal or people groups that do not have enough Christians or resources in them to reach their own nation or their own people group without some kind of outside help. When we learn that that's the truth, and let me tell you how that translates into this. This is what it looks like. 41% of all the people groups in the world are unreached. 41% of all the people groups in the world are unreached. That translates into just over 3 billion people who've never heard of Jesus. 42% of the world's population will die without Christ. That should concern us. Because we believe that Christ died for all of those people and intended to bless each and every one of them. It doesn't mean that everyone has to go overseas. You know, it doesn't mean everyone has to go and become a missionary. It means that everyone should be concerned about it, that everyone should at the very least be praying about it. And that if there is a time and a place where God moves in your heart to become some way actively involved in these issues, that you obey, that you go forward. It means that you're aware of them and it means that you're praying about them. Because, see, if all of these people have never heard about Christ, then they are not going to be blessed. And that blessing is being withheld. So, let me go back to my favorite illustration. Some of you, when I say this, these two words, you're going to, I know what he's about to say. It's true, you do. So, this is the thing. All of us All of us are FedEx truck drivers. And we've been given a gospel package to deliver. And if that package was meant to go to someone someplace else, for them to open it up and to read it and go, I want this in my life. I believe that God has blessed me because look what happened. Jesus died for my sins, to forgive me of my sins, and I know that I need help with forgiveness of sins. So I want this truth from me. Thank you, FedEx man, for delivering this. But then you as a FedEx man says, you know what? I hate that side of town. I ain't going over there. I hate that dirt road. I ain't going over there. I'm tired today. I'm going to go in home early today. I'm not going to deliver the rest of my packages. Or this package, I'm just going to keep it for myself. You are that FedEx man. And if you decided you're not going to deliver your package, then you have robbed that blessing from someone else. As a matter of fact, you've robbed the blessing from yourself as well of getting to do that. That's what he means when he says, go and be witnesses to all the world. That's what he means when he says that you are to be my witnesses and to all of the world. So recently, here at Crossing, we've announced the formation of a new global outreach team. Um, For years, we had a great team, really, really, really great team. We had team members who made the team outstanding, very active in caring for missionaries keeping our church family informed and educating them about missions and about the opportunities to participate and how to pray. But then there came a time, eight, nine years ago, when the team was no more, and then under my leadership, much to my dismay, we failed to keep a missions team, a global outreach team, running for many years now, which is a shameful thing on my leadership. <clears throat> but today, or this, just this, this month, we have re-energized that and we are right now putting together a Global Outreach team. Cindy Newman is going to be leading that team. And there are several of you in this room that I think have said yes to working with her. I'm not sure about that. I won't, I won't out you just yet, but I know that that's happened and all. And so today, I want to take this time, and I want to pray for us as a church, but I also pray for those that we support as missionaries that are actively taking Genesis 12:3 and Matthew 28 and giving it, Real new life, giving it the real thing. So, for instance, these are the people we support right now. Rich and Carol Mears. How many years have you served? Over 20 years now. 22 years? 20 years now. Well, that's Rich and Carol. Uh, do you remember when I talked to you about standing up during the service? No, I didn't tell you that, did I? Okay, stand up in the service anyway, all right? Uh, you know what, Carol? You should stand up longer than Rich. You're much prettier than he is, all right? Um, this is Rich and Carol Mears. They served, they served in Haiti for 20 years. They have more stories than you can throw a stone at. I mean, just crazy stuff that God did in their lives and all. They're currently serving here in the States through Ambassadors for Christ, which is a soccer ministry that uses the medium of soccer to deliver the gospel. All right? So that's, the, that's these guys right here. Hi. That was good. Yeah, say thank, thank them. Say thank you. All right? All right. Yeah. All right. And then we have Russ and Mireille Livingston. They serve out of Marseille, France and they provide uh, discipleship and leadership development materials to Christians who are coming out of Islam. Uh, Russ and Mireille, remember, I told you you were going to stand up today, too, didn't I? No, I didn't. Anyway, that's Russ and Mireille right there. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're home for a little while before they go back to Marseille. And Russ was just up here a month or so ago, a little bit like that. Russ and Mireille both were up here talking about their ministry a little bit. Then Valerie Althaus, she's been around Crossing for many, many years. She, she, Valerie is the... But she's the only one who's Caucasian in that picture, so the young lady there. And she serves with students from all over the world in New York City, working with international students. And the reason why that ministry is so critical is because none of those students came here to live. They came here to get education to go back to their home country. So what would happen if you came here believing in another God, then you got here, and someone like her says, hey, have you ever heard about Jesus? And you trust Christ, and you go back to your country automatically you've got a missionary who knows the language, knows the culture, and can start talking about Jesus when she hits the ground. That's why what Valerie does is so critical. So Valerie works in New York City with international students up there. And then we also partner with an organization called Crossing Cultures International. Dave Nelson, he spoke here in our pulpit many times. And Dave Nelson facilitates the training of national pastors all over the world. So we support this couple right here, Robbie and Mata, Rabi and Mata, they live in the Timor province of Indonesia, which is nothing but a large group of islands, which is what Indonesia is, is a large group of islands. They serve in one particular set of islands, and he serves to facilitate the training of other men who want to learn how to navigate the Bible and become a pastor. We support Nadi, uh, Rabi Rob, and Mata there. And then finally, we also support Lucas, Lucas Henrili, Henrilius. He's in Haiti. He's a part in... Lucas is—he's in the middle there, you know. You see him there, and all. And Lucas um, serves with ambassadors Internet for Christ also there, and he is their their national coordinator for that. So those are kind of those are the ones that we support cross culturally. And so this is the thing, is that so often when we read the Old Testament. We go, well, those are stories that happened a long time ago, and they really don't mean a whole lot to me. Or they might have like a moral meaning to it. They might teach me a good moral lesson, like, you know, be nice to my neighbors or something like that. But that's not really the case at all. Because Genesis 12.3, when it says that you will be a blessing to all nations, was something that he said to Frank. And when he said that then, In his foreknowledge, he knew that one day there's going to be a pilot who is going to trust Christ. And that pilot is going to become someone who is a blessing to other people throughout his world. In essence, he's a pilot, so he really is a blessing to all the world, you know? And so Genesis 12.3 is written directly to me and you because he intends for that promise to be fulfilled through you and I in our world today. And so the stuff we read in the Old Testament is not just old moral stories. And in particular, this one is written directly to us. Directly to us. So, what I'd like to do right now, I'd like to close in prayer. And um, I'm going to pray for our missionaries, I'm going to pray for us, um, and for our desire to fulfill the Great Commission in our church. I pray for our Go team. And, um, and then we have some other stuff coming after this, all right? So, Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it is living alive, and it's able to cut asunder to bone and marrow. It's able to, to highlight my motives and reveal in me the things that I make it look like it's good, but my motives are evil. Your Holy Spirit, your word is really, really amazing. And today I pray that it's working in this room here that you are working the hearts of each and every one of us and teaching us how the things that happen elsewhere to Christians and even unbelievers, these who have never heard, you're teaching us how those things are important to us here and how our giving should be used to reach people in other parts of the world, how our, our prayer life, can be used to help other people in other part of the world. How we have resources that we can use to help be a blessing to others. And how it is possible that you would call one of us out of this room to go and be a blessing to others in some part of the world. Father, I thank you for Cindy and for her um, working to re-energize our Go team. And I thank you for those who are considering becoming a part of the team or those who have said they're going to be a part of the team. And I'm praying for great, great work for them. And so do a good work in in them as you build a vision for our church's participation and role in global outreach. But Father, I want to pray specifically for these folks that we just talked about. I want to pray specifically for Rich and Carol and for their ministry with Ambassadors for Christ and for the ministry that they've left a legacy in Haiti. I ask that you would just really bless them and you would open up doors for them and you would give them clarity as they make new progress toward new steps and toward new directions in their ministry and that there was since your leading in every step along the way father i pray for Mire as, as there's always more demands more opportunities more people who are coming out of islam who would who would have the great need for a for a contextualized training in the word of god for a contextualized training in leadership biblical leadership biblical pastoring And there are so many opportunities, and there are so many things that could be done, and yet there are so few doing it. And so, Father, I do pray that you'd help them to choose the very best opportunities, the ones that you lead them to. And not only that, Father, but I pray you'd also provide more people to their team, more resources to their team, so that the materials could be able to be expanded to be able to help and minister to more. Father, I pray for Valerie in New York City, and for the broadening of her ministry there, to on Columbia University and um, NYU's university and Baruch College and and others where she's working. And that you would continue to add to her team as well and you'd continue to draw her into really strategic relationships with people who are earnest learners, earnest seekers, wanting to know more about Christ. And then, Father, I pray also uh, for Robbie and Mada as they um, work in Indonesia and continue to keep them safe in a place that does not like the gospel and does not favor it well and continue to give them opportunities and take care of their family there. And then for Lucas as well, Father, meet his needs and continue to use us to do that there in Haiti and continue to open up opportunities for him as he does his ministry there. Encourage him, Father. And then, Father, I pray for anyone in this room here today who has never placed their faith in Christ, who has never understood that he came to the earth and lived a sinless life and died a death he didn't have to die to pay the penalty for our sins. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room today who's never understood that, that today they will. And not only that, but that today they will seek out answers about that. They'll ask questions about that. And that today they would take Christ as their Savior for the forgiveness of their sins.